Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 28 minutes now to 9. The time time for your mediated conversation this Wednesday morning. Last week, it emerged that the police and the SANDF and correctional services have between them lost quite a large number of guns over the last few years. There have been different figures given uh, in the last couple of weeks and then in periods before that. But the police, Mr. Bekekele, has said that in the period from April 2021 until July last year, more than 1,500 guns were stolen from police. At the same time, it's emerged the SANDF has also lost firearms. Some of them have been R4 rifles, literally machine guns. Um, But Guns Free SA suggests the real danger is this number. They suggest in the last five years, 25,000 guns have been stolen from private owners. In other words, around 5,000 guns have been stolen by criminals every year for the last five years. So then what happens to these guns and what role do they play in the rates of violent crime that we're seeing at the moment? First, the numbers. How violent crime has changed and what all of these numbers mean. Dr. Krista Koch is a crime analyst and an expert on crime statistics. Then Sledge Silvana, a former police officer as well, who worked in specialized units combating violent crime. We'll ask said Silvana how difficult it is to track down guns when they're used in crimes like this and how they actually change uh, violent crime and then finally from Gun Free SA Claire Taylor on some of the numbers and why it is that guns are stolen in this way. We start then with Dr. Chris DeCock the analyst on crime. Dr. DeCock good morning and thank you for your time. Good morning and good morning to the listeners. Firstly, as these guns have been moving into circulation, they've been stolen or lost. We now presume that they're being used by criminals. What's happened to crime levels? How have they changed over the last five years? Okay, uh, I think we must take it even a little bit more back to the late 90s. The late 90s crime levels and especially murder levels and violent crime levels were very high. And that was uh, not directly linked to guns because many other, uh, like uh, blunt objects, knives and things were used. It was also more social, social fabric type of, of violence between people knowing each other. Then came the, 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 uh, the, the 2000s, and from 2003 to 2012, we saw quite a drop in violent crime, especially murder, and murder is one of your more... Uh, reliable crime figures. Uh, quite a drop from 24, 25,000 right down to 15,000 per annum. And then suddenly from 12, we, we saw up to today, we saw a massive increase in murder and other violent crimes like robbery uh, and especially robbery. And this tells me a story. It tells me that the more guns are available and the more guns of police you know which is heavy caliber and uh, and the defense force guns are available the more it land up in the hands of robbers and especially cit robbers and and that kind of robbers people who rob large shops and things and then uh, in that process they kill more people and then also we we find a development of things like heat squads Heat squads is something very prominent today in South Africa. If you want to get rid of somebody, you just get a hired gun. So there seems to be then a link between the levels of violent crime and obviously the number of illegal guns in our society. There is a link, but I also think there is not only a link 
you have X number of uh, firearms in, in the pool, and then you get an increase in crime. It also changes the character of crime. You get new crimes like heat squats, like uh, uh, murders for uh, people who hire themselves out to murder people. Other things so that you also get a development mm. there. I mean, other things have been happening in our society at the same time. After the 1990s, after the transition to democracy, there was a lot less uh, political violence. The economy was growing. During the pandemic, the economy slowed. Um, I mean, those would be factors too, wouldn't they? It will also be factors, but there's also the factor of policing. You see, in the, in from 2003 to 2012, policing were much more visible. It was much more effective. Crime intelligence were 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 functioning, uh, and uh, and there was a focus on organised crime in those years, with the effect that um, that also had a quite a impact on crime. Uh, after two thousand and twelve, unfortunately, things just went daywire. I suppose it's not really possible statistically. Well, maybe it is. You're the expert, so let me put it to you. Can we can we see how big a factor guns are in an increase in violent crime? I mean. Is it possible to put any kind of number or word like significant or massive or uh, insignificant to it? No, I think on a, my gut feel, it's, it, it is really significant. It is really significant. Uh, but that, uh, but it can be done much more scientifically if one have, you know, uh, if one have the, the information that the police have, then you can uh, make calculations and see how many of your crimes guns are involved unfortunately we don't have that figures if those figures do exist they could be made available is what you're suggesting that's what i suggest some countries have very high numbers of guns the u.s does so does switzerland some countries have very few guns uh, the uk australia there are others is there a link in other countries between the number of guns and violent crime i think in the u.s definitely in the US, uh, I think the availability of firearms gives us quite high levels of violent crime. We have seen it in the in during many many years now that in the US uh, we find very high levels of of uh, murders, homicides, and uh, and even mass shootings. And then we also have this um, uh, robberies uh, similar to ours. Carjacking is is quite common there. Uh, CIT robberies is quite common there. Uh, so I think there is a clear picture. I, I think and then in countries with less weapons, where firearms is ba- basically not available to the public, uh, clearly uh, there you won't find that kind of crime. Obviously very difficult to go from one state to the other. I mean, people here will argue that they need a gun to protect themselves or whatever. It's actually very difficult to sort of change a society in that way. Yeah, well, uh, there are my my view is clearly that people need firearms to protect themselves. Uh, clearly, I mean, we have got very high levels of violent crime, so that that is clearly the the, the idea. But also, uh, I mean, this pool of illegal weapons are already there. Even if you today change the legislation and you say no, no, people should not have firearms. That firearms is already in circulation. And how are you going to get rid of those firearms in any case?
Dr. Krista Koch, thank you. The crime analyst, really do appreciate the time. Starting off your mediated conversation here on SAFM this morning. It's 20 minutes now to nine, talking about the large number of illegal guns in our country and the impact that they then have on violent crime. Sledge Silvan is a former police officer as well who worked in specialized units combating violent crime. Investigate, does conduct investigations himself now after working for other bodies. Sledge, good morning. Thanks for your time. Sledge, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Sorry about that. Yes. You have been working and dealing with violent crimes. Guns obviously play a big role in that. How difficult is it to investigate crimes involving guns? Sometimes you can tell, uh, you know, where the bullet came from, who fired the bullet. But the nature of crime, as Krista Cock tells us, changes when there's so many guns. Yes, quite right. He's right. Um, it's very difficult to investigate these uh, uh, gun-related uh, uh, cases because... If, if the perpetrators were not arrested during their uh, commission of crime, that would mean now the police must now rely on the evidence uh, on the evidence collected from the scene and as well as from the uh, uh, eyewitnesses who have seen something who can probably provide some information as to as to uh, how many people who were there, what were they looking to give all those kinds of uh, of, uh, of description. When you have so many illegal guns in circulation, who's using them? I mean, these are, are criminal organizations. You can use different numbers for this, gangs or syndicates or whatever. But these are people who are organized, is my point. Yes, these are very organized people. They don't just uh, uh, wake up and do things. Because remember, um, these are syndicates. They work in groups. And they, in their groups, they are so much divided in doing different tasks within uh, uh, their groups. Okay, say for example, if they know that they're going to be hitting a, uh, uh, let's say, cash in transit, they will determine if they were sort of firearms who they've been looking for. And they will now try to find ways the potential where they can get firearms and stuff. They will go to the police station, to the vulnerable police station where there is no much of, of, of police. Like, say for example, at Libode, what happened in Libode when. It was attacked the police station itself. It was attacked. Uh, uh, firearms, rifles, pistols, shotguns were taken as well as at uh, Moyeni police station. Because what they do, they uh, what they pick their target up. They 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 they, they study it to see how many people are frequenting them. How, what what kind of uh, security do they have? At entrances, exits, and stuff like that. They even do something called the dry run just to see the reaction of the personnel when they arrive there. And they don't be just doing the dry run. They want to see what is going to be their reaction. When they come to hit, they come to hit for real. That's how they do their things. Sure. Um, and I suppose the route to power is through a gun. You start off with nothing. You get a group of people together. You uh, are able to maybe assault one police officer, steal their gun. That allows you to go into a police station, steal more guns. Suddenly you're a proper functioning gang with a series of guns. So there's a sort of, is there a sort of route to power through firearms? Yes, exactly. The route to power is because once, once you have a firearm on you, obviously you will have some sort, you, you level yourself more power than the rest although you know that you are all the same but just that you've got uh, for example that specific firearm on you one of the big features of the crime the, the rise in violent crime that we've seen uh, is the fact that it's been organized so we've seen a lot more organized crime in the last four years how has that happened i presume there's a link between organization and guns yes quite right Stephen. there's a link between the two 
the 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 the, the syndicates the syndicates they when they they when they want to do their their uh, uh, crime when they want to commit their crime they will make sure that their path is paved their path is paved because they will be in touch with the relevant people whom they can be assisted by whether it's from the firearm side whether it's from the legal side or whether it is from also the police side because it is it is out there in public domain that there are some policemen that are working with the 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 the, the, the um the thugs that carries these high caliber firearms hmm. um and the the fact that some of these guns are really high powered i mean r4s you're not going to steal an r4 for a small robbery you're using an r4 for a really big crime of course, yes. They're using these uh, high-caliber firearms such as R4, R5s, R1s, AK-47s. They're using those for CIT uh, cash robberies. They're using them for um, Zamazamas. They're using them for, if you remember, the, 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 the Rolex squad in 17, where they would confiscate all the Rolex expensive watches in, uh, in, a, in an mm-hmm. establishment. And of late, also in the social gatherings, you've heard so many times this previous year, where the people just came and fire with automatic rifles, people died and stuff like that. That's what these uh, firearms are, are useful. And by so doing, they're creating so much, so much of of of, of uh, damage, so that no one can even come forward to say, "I have seen such a person and such a person," because everybody will be scared to come and stand up and say, "No, I have seen a certain vehicle that was driven by so." Because some of these people they're coming from our own communities. Some of the community people do know who are these people. Some of the community people do know who's got these guns, but they are very much scared to come out and say, please, police, can you go to that specific house? Because they are afraid of if the person finds out that he had, say, for example, Stephen had uh, gone and report, the person will be in trouble himself. It also leads to disputes between gangs, and suddenly these are guns against guns. Um, we see it with some of illegal miners. We see it in all sorts of different ways. These disputes turn 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 violent very quickly, and because they have such high-powered guns, we have large numbers of people who are killed very quickly. It has it, it has happened between gangs because um, uh, there's no gang who doesn't want to overcome the other gang. Hence, they make sure that. If this particular gang has got lesser kind of caliber, the other gang will try and look for the high-powered uh, uh, firearm so that when when they do their mission, when they fight among each other, they can they can uh, 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 be the winners because they, they're carrying uh, uh, heavy heavy calibers. Mm. Um, and Sledge, I mean, it would seem unless we do something, this is all going to get a lot worse. I mean, it's going to get harder and harder to combat. The police are perhaps being, I hate to use this phrase, but outgunned. Um, and that makes it very difficult to try and get any kind of justice for anyone. It's very difficult, especially to see when some of these guns are not, uh, uh, we don't have records of those, uh, some of these guns that are uh, into the country because of the, because of, of the proliferation of the guns from the borders. So if we don't have any and, any, and even if you can find the cartridges, you won't really trace back to where it, 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 to the owner because there is no owner who is registered in South Africa. So that's what makes it very difficult because it's a foreign, it's a foreign gun. There is no record of it in the country. Sledge Silvana, thanks very much indeed. Former police officer who's been specialising in looking at combat at violent crime. Really do appreciate the time. In a moment from Gun Free SA, we'll speak to Claire Taylor. It's 12 minutes now to 9 o'clock.
Mediated conversation on SAFM. Nine minutes to nine. Continuing your mediated uh, conversation today around the uh, availability of guns and particularly illegal guns. Claire Taylor is from Gun Free SA. Claire, good morning. Sorry, Claire, I pressed the wrong button. Sorry about that. There you are. Good morning. Good morning, Stephen. So 25,000 guns, according to your figures, have been stolen in the last five years. Who have they been stolen from? It's an incredible number. So those figures are from SAPS. SAPS reports on um, loss and theft from the police and civilians every year in its annual report. So what I've done is taken those figures from the annual report. We don't have the details of how those guns were stolen. So, for example, whether they were in a safe or if somebody was held up uh, by an armed criminal who then demanded their firearm. Uh, But we do know that the total number um, over the last four and a half years, and I use that figure to coincide with the parliamentary reply around the number of guns that are reported lost and stolen from SAPS, Correctional Services and the SANDF amounts to over 25,000 guns. So, I mean, that's 5,000 guns a year. People, there are all sorts of restrictions and regulations around how you're supposed to look after a gun. You're supposed to have a gun safe. You're supposed to have a gun safe in your car. Is that not happening? Are people ignoring those laws? I think it's more complicated than that, Stephen, in that um, guns are highly prized by criminals. And so criminals are targeting people for their guns. So, for example, if you look at the state gun losses, uh, the SAPS by far is the biggest contributor to gun losses. And in fact, the biggest contributor of that is service guns that are stolen from police officers. So 86% of all the guns that were stolen from uh, state departments in that four and a half year period, 86% come from police members whose service or official guns are stolen. They're being targeted for their weapons as police unions are themselves starting to recognize. Similarly with civilians, people buy guns thinking that they can defend themselves and their families and their properties. And the evidence in South Africa and internationally shows that having a gun not only increases your risk, but increases the risk to your family and to your wider community. And so it may make you feel safer, but in fact having a gun for self-defense increases the risk significantly to everybody. Is there any way or any mechanism that's worked anywhere to get illegal guns back? And I realize, you know, we can't have the police or the army going to search every house looking for guns. But I mean, has has any society been able to do this to radically reduce the number of illegal guns in circulation? So there are definitely ways. One of the most important is to tighten up on gun controls. Uh, and what that means is that people who have, um, who have to relicense guns um, may choose to hand them in and comply with legislation. For example, in amnesties, they've been very effective in South Africa. In South Africa as well, we have uh, a focus by the police on stop and search operations. So for example, Operation Chanela has been very effective at the moment at recovering guns. But there's a huge pool of illegal guns in this country, and we cannot just focus on stop and search operations. We need intelligence-led operations. And as Krista Koch pointed out, we have a, a crisis of policing in South Africa, particularly in the intelligence units. And that needs to be dealt with if we're to effectively deal with the pool of illegal guns in this country. Um, the other problem, of course, is at the moment, guns aren't safe in the custody of the police. I'm not talking about police officers who are robbed. I'm talking about police stores that guns disappear from. So the stats from SAPS uh, show that 357 guns were stolen from police stores over a four and a half year period. 
Uh, it's worrying. It really is worrying. Uh, but what was heartening was to see the number of measures that the police have put in place to protect these, these evidence stores. And they included uh, controlling access, um, doing audits, centralizing, uh, they're trialing, centralizing um, firearm storage, etc. More concerning, I thought, was looking at the correctional services response. Um, so in that, um, in those figures, there were 18 guns, uh, sorry, excuse me, 52 guns were reported as lost or stolen, 35 of which were R4 rifles. And their response to what they were doing to combat um, and, and reduce theft was things like ensuring that fences were secure, um, vegetation was cut back. And while that's important, what we need to also look at is the use of technology to safeguard these armies, but also the integrity of the people who are overseeing these armies. Um, people are the weak link in this, and you have to ensure that the people who are in charge of these armies are of the highest integrity, uh, and measures need to be put in place. And it was interesting that none of the State Departments mentioned what measures they put in place, place to ensure that their staff are, are incorruptible. So we now have, and we know that we have, a large number of guns in the hands of criminals. We also have a large number of civilians who are very scared of this crime. Many of them will say, as Krista Koch put it, that they need their own gun to protect themselves. What kind of policy responses work in this situation? Um, you know, do we, I know you work for Gun Free SA, so you're not going to recommend that we give people guns or, or make that easier. But what kind of policy responses do we need to sort of implement at this point to bring down violent crime? And obviously, we do that to an extent by reducing the number of guns in society. Exactly. So we need to reduce the availability of guns. And when we did that between 2000 and 2010, to coincide with the new Firearms Control Act, we saw a halving of our gun death rate from 34 people shot and killed a day to 18. We're now sitting at 31 people shot and killed a day. So we have to reduce the availability of guns. And that entails um, going into communities and recovering and destroying illegal guns. But it also means tightening controls over licensed weapon stocks to ensure that they don't leak into the illegal pool. Uh, and so we have to strengthen policing and we have to tighten things like the Central Firearms Registry, which is completely dysfunctional. Uh, and we need to look at ways to ensure that every single gun that is owned by the state and by a citizen is monitored and recorded and on the system. Have other countries been able to do this? I mean, some countries have become, you know, gone from, from very dangerous to quite safe. Colombia is a sort of example that, that of a country that made, managed to make a big improvement, but there was sort of civil strife there. Are there other societies that have been able to do this in the past, deal with a problem like this? So Colombia is a very good example of what can be done when you reduce uh, gun availability. Um, Australia is an interesting example as well. Um, they, they, they used to allow firearms for self-defense. You no longer can. And they've seen a significant decline uh, in all types of gun crime. It's interesting. Generally, stats look at murder. But in, in Australia, they actually saw a, de a significant decline. It could trace it in um, armed robberies as well. And there's been published research in peer-reviewed journals showing that. So it's not just the murder rate that, that can decline. Uh, by restricting access to firearms, uh, but other related crimes as well. 
Thank you very much indeed. Claire Taylor is a researcher at Gunfree SA. My thanks also to Dr. Sledge Silvana, to Sledge Silvana, former police officer who has been combating violent crime, and then starting us off today, Dr. Krista Koch, the criminal, uh, the analyst who looks at crime and numbers. Well, that's your mediated conversation for today, and of course, uh, you know, the idea of guns, I think, is going to be uh, the issue of guns is going to be one that we're going to be talking about for quite some time to come. I suspect it's going to be a busy news day. I think the, the first day at school. Uh, for a lot of people be quite emotional to go and fetch their children after school today if they can see them again find out how it all went there'll be lots of conversations around which class they're in which teacher they got and what they had for lunch